I'm Kendra Tombolato, here with Mei Zhang, and this is the China Travel Podcast by Wild China Travel. Each week, we'll be heading to a new place in China to share our top local tips and tricks, highlighting our favorite food, hotels, and experiences, as well as sharing resources. If you're joining or catching up on past episodes, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And lastly, if you're interested in traveling China with us or attending any of our other virtual events, please visit our website at wildchina.com. For this episode, we head to Jingdezhen in Jiangxi province, where ceramics artist and expert Caroline Chung is joining us from her workshop. Outside, an ongoing street-side porcelain fair is in the works. During the episode, we hear about the fair, Caroline's project Prosperity, and also recycling ceramic waste into sponge cities, her new venture called Regeneration Tree. Hi, welcome to the China Travel Podcast. My name is Zhang Mei, and every week we venture to a different destination in China with one of our guests. When I say destination, it can really be a village, a town, a province, or sometimes simply a way of life. So today we are heading to the China capital of China, Jingdezhen. The first China is lowercase. I'm referring to ceramic or porcelain or pottery. Now, onto my guest. I am so happy to see my old friend again, Caroline Cheng. Many of us outside the ceramic world may not have known her name, but I can tell you, she is the reigning Madame of Jingdezhen. Everyone there knows of her. And even when I ask the guide, everyone knows you must go visit Caroline. But Caroline is also known way beyond Jingdezhen. She is an award-winning artist and curator. Her work has been collected by the British Museum, Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge, San Francisco's Asian Art Museum, and the Boston Museum of Fine Art. She has also held solo exhibitions in Sotheby's in Hong Kong and New York. Caroline has received many prizes for her work, including the Outstanding Achievement Award from the American National Council on Education for the Ceramic Arts in 2014. And we will have a chance to talk about the educational aspect of Caroline's work as well. Now, Caroline has also conducted many workshops beyond Jingdezhen, and they have branches in Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Dali, my old town. And she is now even pioneering a lot more in the sustainable use of ceramics. We'll talk about them all. So Caroline, welcome. Lovely to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I want to start by talking about what is happening behind you. You were telling me there's a whole market. Tell me, describe it to me. What is happening there now? I, I know our room is quiet, but out there it's not. Yes. Well, every Saturday morning, we have a market called the Pottery Workshop Creative Market. So there's a lot of young people out there selling their work. It started in 2008 when a young person came and asked me, can I sell something near the Pottery Workshop? Because we are unable to sell anything in Jingdezhen. The opportunities were given to the masters as well as the university professors. So I said, well, you know, like I've got the coffee shop. Why don't you like uh, sell the things outside the cafe? And so in 2008, June 7th, I recorded it. 17 people came with a piece of cloth and they plopped down on the ground with their work. <laughs> and I said, great. And they sold 
a thousand RMB, which is about 120 US dollars. And they were really, really happy. They were like, wow, actually people came and bought our work. And I said, yes, but you have to do this for the next eight weeks. Now do it for eight weeks in two months. And then we can see what, what happens after that. And we can decide whether we will continue or not. The next week, 25 people came and then they sold only like maybe 20 bucks US. And they were like, uh, and I'm like, no, 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 keep doing it for eight weeks. And after eight weeks, I mean, they were selling like maybe six, 700 US. And they were like, hey, that's pretty good. So today, this market has grown so big that I had to curate it because like over 300 people were out there fighting for spots outside our cafe back in 2010. So I said, no, 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 let me curate that. So now every month, about 350 people apply and 80 to 120 people get in. And so it's the best cream of the crop, the best young people's work in Jingdezhen. And before, there were hardly any young people in Jingdezhen, actually, because they all graduated from the local ceramic university and left town and changed and got a job somewhere and they didn't make ceramics anymore. So now, if you are studying ceramics anywhere in China, and actually in America also, because we have a couple of Americans in our market also, mm. who is now living mm. in but everybody who graduated from doing ceramics in university can come to this market, apply, and if you get in, you can actually make a pretty darn good living. Oh, I mean, uh, like, they were saying things like, oh, yeah, if I don't make like 5,000 US a month. No, it's like, like that's almost 10,000 US then, oh, I can't live, you know? And I was like, um, okay, that's great. Anyway, so this market is super competitive. Everybody tries to get in. And so every month I have to check, like at the end of the week, before the month is over, I have to like curate. And so it's a hopping place. Like right now, it's only 9.15 when I was out there. People from all over China now are coming to the market and doing live stream and selling at the, like they're having their little cameras there and say, and this piece of pottery is now, uh, look, this pear is beautiful, you know, perfect for drinking tea. Well, who would like to buy some? And then like, oh, okay, okay, I will buy for you. And then like, if you just pay me now and then I would, you know, like they were doing that. There were like five of them at least. But I just ran around the, the market to just take a look. That's like, fascinating. What is this new, I know. What is this new phenomenon? And it, it's like young people coming to Jingdezhen every Saturday to actually sell on the spot. That, that, <laughs> that is a secondhand live streaming business. Oh, they yeah, are buying yeah. from your vendors and now your yeah. market has a secondary derivative market online. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we do our own live stream every Sunday. Mm, really interesting. Sure. So, 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 <laughs> so tell me if I walk out with you right now, what can I find? What can I buy? Oh dear, so many things. Because when I choose, I don't choose just ceramics. Uh, so apart from, you know, you have the, your beautiful porcelain functional pieces that you can use like teacups, the, the, you know, yes, not a factory made one, but handmade. They are factory made <laughs> slip, cast, slip cast pieces, but they paint on them. And then there are giant big pots. They're woodworkers silversmiths, ironwork, copper oh. work, woodwork, 
tie-dye stuff, clothing, fabric, like uh, old uh, grandmas in villages sewing these beautiful tea mats. And this young person like just goes there and asks the old ladies to do that and give them a lot of money. And so it's sort of like a boosting the economy of the countryside elderly people. And that's kind of nice. And we also sometimes when the uh, season is right, the organic rice person would come and sell her organic rice. Fantastic. Yeah. Even just for the market, it's worth making a trip to Jindezhen. It sounds like. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. I just People want to come mention- on Friday night and stay overnight. So every Friday, if you try to come from Shanghai, which is a 45-minute, 50-minute flight, 55-minute, uh, yeah. maybe? Yeah. yeah. Uh, flight to Shanghai. Uh, oh, sorry. Let's see. It's the Friday morning flight. It's usually full. Or the Friday evening, two trains up filled with people coming in. And most of the hotels, it's hard to book a Friday night uh, hotel because they do come to the Saturday morning market. Wow. And it's only morning, 9 to 12. And people say, why don't you extend it to like afternoon? I can't wake up in the morning. And I said, well, we have a saying in Chinese called 赶集. 赶集 means to (laughs) rush and get out to the market and because it's only at a certain amount of time. And it causes a lot of people to come together in three hours time and shop like mad because if you don't buy this now, somebody behind you will buy it. So you better come and grab it quick. So, so how many people are there? How many people walk through this market each Saturday? Uh, like 5,000, 2,000? I don't know. But just now as 9.15, right? I was outside. One of the artists said, I just sold everything in my stall and I had to go back to my studio to get more. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) So that is what we're famous for, actually. But in Mm. fact, I mean, the poetry workshop is so much more than just the market, but we are now famed for the market. And a lot of Mm. people in town, you can actually find other markets organized by other people. But, you know, of course, I always think ours is the best. (laughs) <laughs> of course, which, you yeah. know, I, I think it, that's the sense of pride. It's fantastic. And you mm. also create rooms for other people to exist, a yeah. marketplace, right? Now, talking about your work, I want to ask you to tell us about prosperity. Okay. Tell us, tell us what that word meant to you and why you chose it for your specific series of work. Paint the picture for us. All right. But let me start. I'm trying to think, how am I going to explain this to you? I think, first of all, you have to understand Jingdezhen. Jingdezhen is a place where for over 2,000 years, since Tang Dynasty, people were making ceramics in this town. Now, during the Song Dynasty, which is about 960 AD, right, to 11-something. Yes, yes. They were making these sort of celadon bluish glaze, like clear mm. glaze, but with a little bit of blue because they had iron inside their glaze. Beautiful. Anyway, they called that Yingqing or celadon. But the Mongols came. The next dynasty is the Yuan dynasty and the Mongols yeah. came. And the Mongolians, I mean, they, were, they liked their white horses. White is a beautiful, sacred thing. And they realized yeah. that the clay here in Jingdezhen, it was white. It was like so beautiful. And the Mongols, they were related to the Persians also. So Mm. they imported 140,000 craftsmen from all over the country as well as outside of the country from Persia. 
So the blue and white people came and painted on this white surface. And it was like you a mean, massive influx of craftsmen they, that came to Jingdezhen. They brought in like a hundred, like a hundred thousand yes. craftsmen yes. from Persia. Yeah. Not just from Persia, from Henan, the, the, the pot, the throwers. So okay. it changed the way people were making ceramics in Jingdezhen. They were just making some beautiful functional pottery, but then it became painterly with the blue on top of it. And that, that was during the Yuan dynasty. That changed uh, Jingdezhen. And that's what we sort of know as what Jingdezhen is like now. When people talk about Jingdezhen, it is the blue and white. So that's what happened. Huh. So 140,000 craftsmen, what does that mean? We have an ancient saying, somebody mentioned something during the Song Dynasty, and it's called the Gongshu, which is the 72 steps to make one pot. So, for example, you have the person who climbed up the mountain into the uh, hole in the mountain to get the clay <laughs> rocks. And yeah. then somebody, a porter, will bring it down. And some people will sell lunch on the way down, actually. And then there's the, uh, there's the person who is on the boat waiting for the rocks to be shipped on the river to the town of Jingdezhen, where the thrower, you know, the clay maker, the thrower, the painter, the kiln master, the, you know, the, the guy who fires the kiln, to like the person who QC the work, to, you know, the grinding the pot on the bottom. You know, there's a lot of craftsmen put together to make one pot. So that's the Qi Shi Gong Shu. So 72 steps, 72 craftsmen to make one pot. So yeah, when I first came in 98 to Jingdezhen, it was because Walter Ostrom in Canada said to me in Hong Kong, I can't believe you've never been to Jingdezhen. You've been making ceramics for how many years? And I'm like, what? What's Jingdezhen? You know, like it's just some stupid blue and white, right? And he was like, no, you come. And so the first time I got here, I was like, wow, the people who are making pottery is ceramics in Jingdezhen, they, I've never seen the way, that's like, you know, it's so different from the Western way of making pottery. It's almost mm. like, it, I could be like, I took a spacecraft to Mars and watched a bunch of Martians do it. Because I've never seen that kind of like technique, technical skill. It was incredible. <laughs> For for, yeah. for someone who's used to making po pottery in the West, what mm. was the biggest shock when you got to Jingdezhen? Like what right, was so incredibly different? It's the way they use, like for example, one day somebody said, oh, I'm mold making. So, you know, in the mold making, using a slab of ceramics like clay, you, you have the plaster mold and you put the slab inside the plastic mold and you press, 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 press. And then you press it into the mold. And so when it dries, it will pop out. But the mold side, which is the plastic side, will draw the water out. So this artist said, oh yeah, and I brought a hairdryer. This is how we work in Canada. And I just blow dry the top part that doesn't touch the mold because that part, if it could be uneven drying, you know, if you don't, dry the top part as well as the bottom when it's so, sucking that water out in the plaster mode. And then he said, and my plug was the wrong plug to put in the electrical socket. And he was like, oh no, there goes my piece. And then he said, 
And the craftsman who the mold maker just smiled at me and nodded his head. And in the drawer, he opened the drawer and it was all these broken, unfired pieces of clay. Because unfired dried pieces of clay could soak water also. And he put these dry pieces of clay on top of the clay so it soaked the water that way. And he was like, that is incredible. And I was like, wow, hey. You know, these are the things that are um, very different from the West, the making part. They use very tu fang fa in, in mm. the Mandarin, but I don't know how to say it, tu fang fa. Like maybe you would say, maybe archaic. simplistic or, uh, yeah, or sim- traditional. Sim- yeah. yeah, it's a very simple way. It's scientific, but we know. We assume to use electricity and you know do all that stuff, mm. all the, you know, but they don't, and it's because they don't have a hairdryer. So what can what else can they use? And they thought of this idea, or like for example, if in the West I need to make a uh, ceramics, then I go and buy a bag of clay and then I throw my own pot and I paint my own pot and I go put, put it in the kiln and fire and then I, I grind it down and I do everything by myself. But here it's like oh you know if I have a great idea. I can come to Jingleton without knowing how to make pottery. And they'll say, mm, I want to make this. And then the sculptor would sculpt the piece for you. And then you take it to the mold maker and have the mold made for it. And then you have the slip cast person come and slip cast this piece for you. Then you have the person who comes and you know, finish off the piece for you. And then you, you, you ask some painter guy to come and paint it and glaze it. And then you take it to the kill master to have it fired. And then you have it, a shipper come and wrap it up and take it away. And then next thing you know, you have a piece. You don't even have to make anything in Jingleton. That's the difference. It sounds like the whole town is sort of engineered to fulfill every single sort of step. When I first came in 1998, 70% of the town people were making ceramics. And even like, for example, if it's a taxi driver, he'll say, oh yeah, in fact, my whole family makes ceramics, only I'm driving the taxi. You know, so... It is a giant, is actually a gigantic production place. Now, having said that, that was back in 1998. And I kept coming back until 2004. I said, you know, I really want to build a pottery workshop here because I want to share this kind of like what I'm looking at, seeing. Everybody in the world should take a look at this and see it. And so we started this pottery workshop with a residency program. And then so... For the opening of the, which was May 1st, 2005, I said, what event can we do that is crazy? And, you know, like, wow, this whole town be so creative. It will blow everybody away, especially the government. And I said, well, I'm going to invite all my friends to come and everybody will make something that is wearable. And so I said, well, I'm going to make a butterfly dress using the craftsmen of the sculpture factory. They make like little beautiful butterflies that put, they put on the plate with other things like flowers and stuff. And I, so I said, well, I'm going to make just a butterfly with a hole on the bottom and I'm going to sew it on fabric and I'm going to make somebody walk down the like catwalk, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> wearing this thing. 
when it came out, everybody was like, what the, you know, because the porcelain, this person was wearing it and it was like clink, clink, clang, clang, and it was breaking and it was like all over the floor and it was crazy. <laughs> and the mayor was like, I've never seen anything like this. This is so creative. Like, what is this? So describe for us, how big are the butterflies? Well, it's like, about an inch. Let's it's say about it's an, inch. about an inch. Yeah. So okay. they were about an inch and there were like 8,000 of them on the first piece. But uh, I, yeah, and uh, the one in San Francisco and Boston, if you're an American listener, they are about 30,000. And I want to say something, express what I'm an artist, so I have to say something about my work. So I said, okay, far away, you look at this, it looks like a Chinese dress or Oriental dress. It's definitely not Western. And then when you walk close to it, Every single butterfly is handmade, nine parts put together. Every single butterfly is different. It's not molded. It's handmade. Their wings and their antenna, handmade, and then put together. And it's nine parts with a hole on the bottom to be sewn on the dress. So far away, you see a symbol of China. And when you go close up, these butterflies, every single one of them is different. So, you know, China is like that. You can look at China, you think it's one image, but when you go close up and you travel around China, every there's so many different cultures, so many different, you know, like geography, geographical, like rocks and trees and forests and desert. It'll take you forever, infinity, to look at China. And if, oh, you, I take, if you look at, agree. Yeah, and if you look at my butterflies, every single butterfly is different. And then some people say, well, you know, they're porcelain, so they might break. And I'm like, yeah, because it's not perfect. When you look very close up, cake can be not perfect. But when you step back and look at the whole thing, it's phenomenal. Okay. You, I've always been amazed just looking at your work and looking at the way you do things differently in Dali and all that. Every time it just, my eyes light up. You were just so creative. Have Have you always been like this? Like what... What, which part of your upbringing has made you to look at the world in such a way that you always want to do things differently? Okay. First of all, I think that the ADD helps because I can't concentrate on one thing. So I love to multitask. Because <laughs> multitasking means I will eventually have to finish everything, but I can have like three things or four things at the same time doing it and I don't mind. And I I love looking at things. I'm very curious. But my grandfather and grandmother, they were literatis back in the uh, 40s, 50s. My grandfather was a professor yes. of Chinese archaeology at Cambridge University. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's great. So when I was a kid, you know, I, I was born in England in Cambridge. And then I sort of like, yeah, we moved to Hong Kong when I was young. But uh, we were always back in England, Cambridge living in that house full of antiquities and books. And, you know, my grandfather's friends were all like intellectuals and stuff like that. So I like that. And that sort of influenced me in some ways. But my family business was soy sauce. So in Hong Kong, we lived in the soy sauce factory. And the gigantic vats of soy sauce would fire big pots soaking those uh, soya beans day in, day out. I was running in and out of it. And, you know, and I, uh, like maybe five years ago, I said, hey, I kind of know why I like wood fire big pots now. And in Tamuku, like the brown color. 
because I grew huh. up running around those soy sauce vats. <laughs> you no, know, like that's that must be it. That's why I like ceramics so much. But huh. uh, when but I wanted to be a vet when I was uh, when I, <laughs> I I mean from twelve to twenty two every year I worked with a vet in the summertime. I worked with animals. Mm. I worked with the like the horse stables. I worked with dog trainers. I mean, I took zoology as a degree at Michigan State University. Oh, you're a zoologist. Was, yeah, by training. Uh, but yeah, well, mm. and uh, while I was t- taking zoology, I took electives and all in fine arts. And and finally, I figured out that if I just did one more t- like one more year plus the summer or two summers, I could actually get two degrees. So I did. I have a fine arts degree in uh, painting as well as a uh, undergrad degree in zoology. And then I went on to do my master's degree. Now, so- I never did ceramics. I mean, I was doing painting, acrylic on wood. So that's why I think I'm not trained as a ceramicist. I look at ceramic in a very different way than most people. Mm, I, th- I think the lesson there for me and for any listener is if you have a child with ADD, do not worry, do not stress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, no, no, no. I, and I, just, I never stress. And let you do whatever you want. You, you will actually find the artistic expression sometime sooner or later. Now, mm. you told me about this new direction or this new product. Tell, tell us about Regeneration Tree. Oh, yeah. Now, since 98, we've been back in Jingleton all the time, or like I'm sometimes living here for a long, long time. You, you walk around town and you see in the trash piles the domestic garbage as well as porcelain. Just, oh, it's broken. I find it. It's broken. So I throw it in the trash. So, or you go to a factory and it's like, what is this gigantic, humongous, um, you know, like pile of like unwanted ceramics. Yeah, so, I, rem- yeah. I even remember like checking into a hotel in front of the hotel. There was this huge tree. At the foot of the tree, there were these huge piles of it. Like that, broken. That pile, you lived, you stayed in Taoshi Chuan, didn't you? Yes, I did. That pile was about 100 times bigger before. And I asked oh my them, God. can you keep it that way? Because that is like an incredible Beautiful. thing. And no, they just kept a bunch under the tree left and they took everything else and just threw it away. And so I, in 2015, we were doing projects for other artists and we realized that every time we do something for others, 30% to 50 or 70% sometimes of these things that we are testing for the artists are fairly failed pieces that we have to throw away. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this is, this is a horrible thing. And then we researched and we found that every year in China, there's 18 million tons of ceramic waste. That's a lot. Okay. How I many can't is, comprehend that number. That is 2,900 2, football fields piled with ceramics, wow. unwanted waste. Wow. So in Jingleton, there's a million ton a year. So I said, we have to do something. So in 2015, I started instead of using stone as an aggregate in terrazzo, terrazzo is just cement with like stone aggregate. So you see some terrazzo floor, terrazzo mm. tiles. So we started using that in my Dali studio. The floor is actually made with ceramic aggregate stone. So we start doing that. And then Carl, who used to work for me and run the studio downstairs, he said, well, I'm going to Central St. Martin's in London. 
and I'm going to continue research, do my master's in ceramic design, and I will find out how else I can use ceramics recycled. And he came up with a fantastic new way of binding the thing together without using cement because cement is so polluting. Mm-hmm. And so when he came back last year, he was like, okay, I, either I go to Hangzhou and start my own business or we can collaborate and do something together. And I said, let's do something together. I can't be bothered. You know, like, I'm too lazy. You're younger and you do it. So we started this company and we've, we've made these, like he's come up with 12,000 new experiments and samples this year since like maybe April. So we Fantastic. will present, yeah, we will launch like the final product, which is a brick that is porous because uh, sponge cities are now sort of like the in thing in the world. You build a city. Now, when you build a city, you use cement, you put it on the ground. And when it rains, the water will go into the sewers and get drained. But sponge city, you use a the bricks that are porous. So the water goes back into the ground. Yeah. It could sort of keep the water in the ground so it's moist. Or yeah. when it's massively pouring, it can still drain. When it's just raining, it can soak into the ground and yeah. water the plants on the side and drain into the water table. So the water tables always have fresh water. And when it's not raining, because the brick is sort of porous, it keeps the moisture there, so it keeps it cooler. So mm-hmm. if you stand outside a, a cement road, it's very, very hot. But if mm. you stand on porous bricks, it's cooler. So it cools down the temperature, and you lower the temperature for climate change, it can lower temperature also. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, and when there's a drought, you go in and dig out that water in the water table that you sort of collected. Oh, so we need that, that in so, California. Yeah, so we invented a porous brick that is not made out of cement. It's made out of 90% recycled ceramics, like waste. We're launching it in September this month, at the end of this month in Beijing, in the Design China event. Now, I'm going to switch the conversation towards practical suggestions for our travelers, right? Oh, for yeah. Those- for those who are interested in going to Jingdezhen, you mentioned earlier it's very accessible. It's about an hour's flight from Shanghai and four hours if they take the fat high-speed train right, from Shanghai. Right. And it's a two-hour flight from Beijing, Guangzhou, and Hong Kong. Are there your favorite special places to stay, local tips, where to visit that you can share? Uh, yes. First of all, you got to go look at the tile makers. The tile makers, there's this whole place called Lao Yatan, and they, all the tile makers are there. They can make gigantic, like they take, uh, what, seven to eight people to make one tile, and then they stick it in this gigantic kiln, and it's as tall as, like, maybe it's like 12 feet high tiles. So it's an incredible skill. You've got to go there. There's a lot of craftsmen's studio areas being torn down. So, like, I can say Lao Yatan is still there, so you must go see. Fanjiajing is another place. It's behind the downtown town center. It's up in a hill. They make fake old stuff. So it's oh, what, what is it called? Fanjiajing. Fanjiajing. Okay. Fanjiajing. And then there's Yaoli. You gotta go to Yaoli because it's the Gaoling Mountain is there. Gaoling actually means Gao Mountain. Anyway, so Gaoling was where the porcelain came from. And you can go up to the top of Gaoling, and there's two peaks. It used to be two peaks, 
but because one peak inside was all porcelain, they went in and dug until the whole peak collapsed. So you can look at this side and say, oh, here's the peak. And then you look at this side, it's a pile of rocks that's collapsed inward. And that's Dowling Mountain. It's, it's incredible, like how much clay they dug out of there. Yeah. Wow. And uh, the best place to stay for me is my own home. <laughs> uh, you have uh, the luxury we don't. <laughs> okay, if you want like a nice villagey kind of uh, rustic feel, then you go to Sanbao inside. There's quite a few hotels out there. And then if you want this contemporary thing, then you can go to where you stay, which is like, yes. in Tao Xichuan. Tao Xichuan, yeah. 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 Uh, that was actually quite nice, even though it's a bit more like a fake old town or a fake. Uh, well, it's Disneyland. Art yeah, yeah. Yes, it's Disneyland. Yes, it's a modern uh, fake, new town. Fake, fake uh, porcelain town, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's, it's comfortable. Okay. Yeah, it's comfortable. Right, right. Now, yeah. which artists in Jindajin are must visit on on your list? Our creative market artisans, artists. We have a list of them. When you come to visit, you can come to the market and look at all their work. And then if you like their work and say, hey, can I come visit you in the afternoon? In October, actually, this year, uh, we will have a studio visit, studio tour. So, I mean, I welcome people who are in China to come to Jingdezhen between the 16th and the 21st. And we will have a couple of tours then. And uh, then you can just come and we'll take you to the studios and then they can talk about their work. I mean, on our hand, I think you can at least visit 20 to 30 artists. Great. Okay, so so let's let's go back to your calendar. A couple of events for our audience. One is upcoming October, yep. your gallery tours. And yep. one is end of July next year for Artisan The Fire Festival. You know, the Fire Festival in Dali, which is an e-festival. We'll talk about that probably in a different episode about Yunnan. Right. Any other major events people shouldn't miss related but, to ceramics and your artistic okay. work? We have the May 1st uh, holiday fest, uh, like the larger market here also. Here uh, you can, in, uh, in Jingdezhen, Jingdezhen, yes. Now, in Jingdezhen, we also have classes you can take. The pottery workshop, we have an education center you can come and take like a two-week course in like blue and white painting or like carving. I mean, the 72 ways of making ceramics. We do offer a few of them in our education center. So you can come. You can come as a group. Then we can organize a group class. Or you can come as an individual and you can just come take the classes that we already have. Fantastic. It sounds yeah. wonderful. Do send the, the URL to us. We will link okay. to your website in the show Great. notes as well. Great. Well, Caroline, Thank thanks so much. Every time talking to you, it's just <laughs> such a pleasure. And uh, I love what you're doing with regeneration. That project just sounds, regeneration mm. tree just sounds really meaningful and doing some good work for cleaning up all the piles and piles of yes. different kind of trash there. Mm. And so, anyway, but thank you and wish you thank lots you. of success with that project. And okay. I hope many of our audience will come and visit you. In okay, thank you. Welcome, everybody. Wild China Travel presents the China Travel Podcast, hosted by me, Kendra Tombolato, and Wild China founder, Mei Zhang. In this series, we'll be traveling to a different place in China each week to share our local tips and expert travel advice. To catch our weekly podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.